0: What a great video. Warms your heart because, you know, all kids, they want to be like Dad. They're trying to follow Dad. If Dad wears cowboy boots, you know, that little boy is probably going to have cowboy boots on. If, if uh, they play dress-up, they want to go in Mom's closet. Kids just naturally want to be like their parents because they're looking unconsciously for role models. I want to be like someone, someone that I can follow. Well, how I many know when they grow up, they may not want to be like mom and dad. Pretty soon, they're wanting to buy clothes that look like Hannah Montana and Justin Bieber. And I mean, they're growing, but still looking for role models. Well, guess what? It happens all our life. If you're playing Friday night football and you're the quarterback, you want to be like Peyton Manning. If you want an, an inspiring young actor, you want to be like Denzel Washington or maybe Angelina Jolie. There's someone out in front of you. If you're a businessman, maybe you want to be like Sam Walton and the great Walmart empire he built, or Kathy Truitt, Chick-fil-A. I mean, we've all got people in this world that we want to be like. And let me know it's nothing wrong with wanting to be like someone because we'll typically act like they do. You might even talk like them. Uh, you might even dress like them. But I want to suggest to you that there's someone to be like higher than the people we see around us. So here's a great question. Who, do you, who are you trying to be like in life? Who are you trying to imitate? Whose example are you following? Who do you want to be a photocopy of? I'll suggest you raise your sights a little higher than the athletes who will fade away one day or the movie stars who will be on the classic movie station. I mean, you know, if we put our eyes on Jesus to be like Him, we'll follow Him for all eternity. Well, in your Bibles, Acts eleven twenty six. I want to start a new series this morning called Reflection. And it's simply a series of messages looking in the Bible, the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and seeing the life of Christ and trying to imitate Him, trying to be like Christ. Now, again, I don't suggest that we'll ever be God, but yet He is the example that we follow. Jesus is the best role model there is in the world. Acts eleven twenty six. Now, in Acts chapter 11, the, the book of Acts is shifting Up to that point, it had been a church that was based in Jerusalem targeting Jewish people, and now it's begun to go around the world targeting Gentile people. The center of the church was Jerusalem. Now it's a place called Antioch. And we've been talking about this Antioch. Paul will become the key person, but there's an interesting phrase, the last phrase in verse 26 in Acts chapter 11. It says, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called, say it again, Christians. Now, the word Christian, very... I mean, it's just a part of our vernacular today. Whether you're a believer or not, in America today, you know, we're, we're, we're heralded as being a Christian nation. may not act like it, but yet that's the influence. But do you realize in the New Testament the word Christian is only used three times? This word Christian, Christ... It's, uh, it's the, uh, the Greek word, Christ is the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. He was the Savior of the world. The last phrase, I-N-S, or Christians, a Latin phrase, and that's what I find interesting because this Latin phrase, it simply means that you, are, that you belong to Him, that you follow Him. And here's a huge word, that you're identical to Him. Now, when I saw that, it made me pause because what the Bible is literally telling us, what this word is literally telling us, is that Christians, you and I, are supposed to virtually be identical to Christ. Now, again, you'll never be God. You know, you're not going to, you don't have that role. But yet, the values he espoused, the way he treated people, what was important in his life, he's a role model to follow. Now, this word Christian, again, it's interesting because it was not given by Jewish people. See, they didn't want to refer to Christ as the Messiah. They had rejected that in His day. And the believers didn't even call themselves Christians. The believers called themselves, as you look in the New Testament, brother, sister, uh, fellow believers, disciples, followers. But it was the Gentile world, it was what's called unbelievers, that ascribed this word to these people that lived in Antioch. In other words, these people that were not Christians looked at them and they said, these people are a reflection of this man, Jesus Christ. These people are identical to Him. The way they treat their families, the way they operate their businesses, the way they treat people, what they do with their life, their priorities, they are a mirror image or a reflection of Christ. And that's kind of broadly what this series is going to be about, provoking you to truly be a Christian, a follower of Christ, one who imitates Christ in your lifestyle, one who takes what the Bible says and applies it to everyday life. How many know the Bible is not just a book of history? The Bible is not just a book that we talk about on Sunday. The Bible is a book that we should integrate in our life. How many know twenty four seven? I want to practice. In my business practices should pick should be a portrait of the Bible. The way I treat my family, the way I treat other people, what I do with my resources—it's all a picture of imitating Christ. Well, here's what I want to speak about this morning. The subject I want to tackle this morning is what Jesus talked about: how we treat other people, and He called it the Golden Rule. I bet you were taught the golden rule or heard it when you were a child. What's it say? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that sounds pretty easy, treating people the way that I want to be treated. But when you get into it, it gets a little challenging, doesn't it? We're going to explore this. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 7 this morning as we talk about the golden rule. And I want to go deeper in your life this morning. I want you to give me the opportunity to really take a hard look at how you treat people. Do you have prejudice in your life? Are you, are you treating people that are in the in crowd different than those that are out? Do you look down on people for some reason? Are you judgmental? Are you critical? How do you treat people? Because this is huge. Jesus is basically going to say, you can take this in everyday life, and you'll meet people all day long. You'll have business transactions. You will deal with your family. And if you will simply pause and ask this question, how do I want to be treated if I were in this situation? That's the way you treat them. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus and the Golden Rule. Now, mind you, Matthew 7 is a part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard of the Beatitudes. It's probably the greatest message that was ever given to humanity in terms of how we should live and behave. What's important? The values. Well, Jesus gave this. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about the famous verse that says, Don't judge lest you be judged. And then he talks about our enemies. He talks about the way we treat people. And here's the verse, Matthew 7 verse 12. Jesus said, Do to others what you want them to do to you. Jesus said, Do to other people what you want them to do to you. And then he kind of summed it up in an amazing way. This is the meaning of the law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets. In other words, Jesus basically said, If you'll take the golden rule, that's what this portion of the book means. Now, the New Testament wasn't yet penned, but what he's basically saying is this is the big picture. He summed up the Old Testament. He felt so strongly about it that he also made this idea the second great commandment. Remember when Jesus was often asked, what you must you do for eternal life? What's the most important commandment in all the Bible? And he said that we're to love the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. But then he said the second is just like it. He said love your... So he summarized the whole Bible by saying, Love God in the fullest way you can, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's real easy to do, but can I tell you, it's downright hard to put into practice. I'll tell you a little funny story on me. I love kids. My wife won't let me have any more, so I kind of adopt kids that'll that'll like me and befriend me. And uh, I like little kids. That little age, about three, four, five-year-olds, you know, they're innocent, they're loving. Well, I've got this uh, one little girl. She's about four And she was a little distant, so I've been trying to really befriend her for quite a while. And and finally, she came up, and she'd give me a big hug, and she'd say, I love you. And, of course, my my heart melted. But the next day, I see her, and I'm waiting for her to greet me, and she said, I'm not your friend. I'm not like you. And something welled up inside me that wanted to say back to her, I'm not like you either. She's four. I'm fifty-four. And I'm not like you either. Now listen, it's easy to talk about the golden rule. But when a four-year-old gets your goat, how many know, when big kids do it, it can really rattle your cage. But how do you want to be treated? Let's kind of let this trickle down in life. How do you want to be treated if you make a really big mistake at work? I'm talking about the kind that just, you know... Everything stops. Let me give you a funny story. It's true. My wife and I, 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 in the Navy, I moved to California, ended up there, and married a preacher's daughter. So naturally, had to stay a while. And we were in our early twenties, and we had a. One of the staff's job was when we baptized on Sunday. Like we'll have a baptism at the end. It's a baptism weekend for us today. We're supposed to baptize eleven people at the end of our service. You know, we baptized uh, four last night, two this morning. We do it any service, but this is a special weekend. Well, anyway, in that church, uh, one of the staff members had to turn the baptism on on Saturday night to fill it up with water. And, of course, we didn't have a shut-off valve that would make sure the water cut off when the level got high enough. And my wife's cousin was on staff, and it was his job to turn the water on. Well, guess what happened? Sunday morning, we get to church, and there's two inches of water in the floor. Now, think about this is your big day, and I mean water is just cascading off that baptism towards the front. How would you like to be treated if that were you? Fire department's there, you know, and all that sucking up the water. I mean, it's a mess. And how Would you like somebody to come up to you? Who did this? Who was so stupid to leave the water running? Do you know? I bet he's going to get fired. Well, it worked out good for him, but he's the pastor of that church today. But how how would you like to be treated if you do the big stupid? Let me ask you this question. How would you like to be treated if you just got out of jail? Been coming to church before. People know who you are. People seen your orange jumpsuit in the paper, and you show up at church on Sunday. Is that the way you want to be treated? Or would you like for somebody to come up to you and say, Hey man, come sit by us. We're really glad you're back. How, do you want, how did you want to be treated if you're here and you went through the pain of a divorce and everybody knew it? How would you want to be treated? How, how, how would you want to be treated if, if, you're not in the, if you're not in the in crowd? All of us have been there for whatever reason. How, how do you want to be treated if, if you don't have the in clothes? And I don't just mean, you know, you don't have what they, whatever your fancy story is. My 11 year olds happens to be justice. If you're not wearing justice, you're not in. I don't know where yours is. And it's not just a ladies thing. You, you, you may not have the newest color camo if you're a hunter. And, and, you know, you go to the duck camp or wherever you go, and everybody else is all decked out in a new camo, and you, you, you've still got your fatigue zone from the, your army days. We just get in situations in life to where we don't fit. How do you want to be treated? And here's what Jesus is saying. That's the way you should treat other people. That's the way that you should treat other people. How, do you, how would you like to be treated if, if you lost the big game? Okay, bases are loaded. It's the bottom of the ninth. I mean, it's the playoff game. Your team is down by one. You're up to the plate. And it's strike one, strike two, and you're out. And not only are you out, but your team lost the championship. Anyone ever ever been in that situation? Come on, let me see your hand. Yeah, How how did you want to be treated? Did you want somebody to come up to you and say, I can't even believe you're on this team, you stupid. (laughs) Why did he let you play? I could have told him that you'd strike out. Or do you want somebody to come up to you and say, man, it was nine of us on that field. That could have happened to anybody. We'll get the next one. Now, how do you want to be treated? So here's the question. How do you treat people? How do you want to be treated if you've been backsliding? And I don't mean that you show up at another church. I mean you come to the church you were a part of. Well, there's the dirty, rotten sinner over there. Or do you want somebody to come up and say, hey, look, come sit by us. We are so glad you're back. Second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule, treat other people the way you want to be treated. I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. How many know the Bible just works in life? Well, I want to look at two things that, two examples that Jesus gave us. I'm going to take a few minutes and let's go to John chapter 8. And the first, let's talk about this idea of mercy and judgment, how we treat people. And secondly, I want to see how Jesus helped people that were in need. Let them both speak to you. John chapter 8, verse 1, this first idea is that Jesus showed more mercy than judgment. He was less apt to criticize and more apt to encourage. He was less apt to throw somebody under the bus when they messed up. But he was more apt to help somebody get on the right track. John chapter 8, verse 3, and again, when I read long, large passages of Scripture, I, I kind of condense them, so we may drop a verse here. Or there. It doesn't mean that it's not important. It just means for time's sake we're focusing on the kernel or the heart of the, of the story. Verse 3, the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Now, the Pharisees were the religious people. They were the people that should have known better, but they didn't know better. Now, what they're trying to do is they're jealous of Jesus. They hate Him, and they're trying to find a way to trip Him up. It's if you've been listening to the political debates, you know that the, those that are asking questions and running the debate and the channel its own, they have an agenda. And they're trying to get those candidates to say something so it's a gotcha moment that flows into whatever the narrative of what they want to happen is. So it just seems like there's a big setup going on. Well, this is a setup right here. Adultery may not be a big deal in our culture, but it is a big deal in the Bible. I mean, know God values uh, an exclusive relationship between a man and a woman. It's called marriage, and it's a place that's sanctified, and it's holy all our days. But the fact is, adultery happens. And don't look at me like you're that righteous now, because Jesus didn't say it was just the act of adultery. Jesus said, if you're thinking the thoughts, please don't raise your hand. You'll look too guilty on this one. If you're thinking the thoughts, it's just the same. Yeah, laughing is better at that moment, yeah. Sometimes preaching becomes meddling. But I I would rather have someone take the Bible and integrate it in my life than let it just be abstract and out there. Because one day, we're all going to stand before our life and give an account to God. One day, God is going to ask us questions and our life is going to be on display. So one of my things that I really try to do as your pastor is make the Bible relevant for today. Through, whether it's different translations or examples or things but I hold the Bible in the highest esteem I believe it is the inerrant word of God I don't believe it's just stories that were for yesterday but it's truth for today I don't believe the Bible is filled with suggestions Moses didn't give 10 suggestions he gave 10 commandments uh, I don't bring the Bible down to my level I want to bring my level up to those standards And I don't do it because I have to or I'm scared of burning in hell. I love Jesus, and I want to please him. And and Jesus said, if you love me, what will you do? Yeah, it's in there. If you love me, obey my commandments. Well, anyway, verse 4, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught having sexual relations with a man who's not her husband. Now, the law of Moses commands we stone to death every woman who does this. But what do you say we should do? Now, they were right. The law of Moses was, very, it was a very harsh punishment. How I many you know sin carries a harsh price tag? It's not popular in our world today. But sin is so serious, listen, that Christ came to the cross to pay for sin so we could be restored to God. Sin is so serious, it would cause a person to spend eternity away from God in a little place called hell. Well, what do you say we should do? And again, they're not asking for information. They're trying to trip him up. Well, verse 7, Jesus said this. It's, it's classic. And here's what I want you to see, is Jesus was quicker to show mercy than he was judgment. Now we're talking about the golden rule. We're talking about how we treat people. So he was quicker to show mercy rather than judgment without bringing the law down. He didn't want to dishonor the teaching of the word of God, of the Bible, but he wanted to honor that. But at the same time, he was more concerned with getting that woman on the right track than he was with punishing her. Now this is a powerful thing. It's the way we treat people. In verse nine, of course, you know the story here. Jesus is kneeling. He's writing on the ground, and they're looking at him. Verse nine: Those who heard Jesus began to leave one by one, and he's left alone with the woman standing before him. So Jesus raised up again. Woman, where are they? Has no one judged you guilty? So now the accusers have all left. It's this woman that seems clearly repentant, and she answered, "No one, sir." And Jesus said these words: "I also don't judge you guilty." You may go now, but here's the big thing, sin no more. So Jesus kept the standard, but he said, listen, I'm going to act with you towards more mercy than judgment. I'm going to be less critical and more forgiving. I'm going to be less throwing you under the bus when you mess up. And oftentimes people control other people that way. We either throw people under the bus, we threaten to throw them under the bus... You know, that's a counsel our president received recently. He's supposed to get rid of the team that's there because the polls are down. It's their fault. So just get rid of people. Now, listen, how are you treating people? Better question, how do you want to be treated when you mess up? Do you want to be fired? Do you want to be divorced? Uh, do, do, you, do you want to be kicked off the team, made to go to the back of the line every time you mess up? Or is there something inside you longing to for forgiveness? and another chance. Longing to be treated right. Now, this doesn't, this doesn't imply that a Christian can't fire somebody. How many know sometimes you need to get fired? It's just true. Sometimes your performance is not consistent. You're the wrong person for the job. But how many know you can fire someone and l- let them walk out with dignity and honor? Or you can just throw them under the bus and put their stuff in a box and throw it out on the door and laugh at them as they go? I'm telling you. It, what I'm saying does not negate the fact that sometimes criminals go to jail, and I may know that's in the Bible as well, but yet we can do th- whatever we do is we treat people in a God-honoring way. And here's the question. How do I want to be treated? How do you want to be treated when you mess up? Do you want more judgment or do you want more mercy? Yeah, every one of us in this room do, and I'm just suggesting to you that the people in your world, when they mess up, and I don't care what it is, how are you going to respond to them? See, this is where Christianity meets the road. When the four-year-old looks at you and says, I'm not like you. I'm not your friend. And how about if it's in the parking lot and there's a parking place? Come on, it's got your name on it, right? And you're waiting for the car to move out? And just when you get ready to move in, somebody else zips in front of you? Some advice, don't pull out your pistol. That does not warrant that response. But what do you do when they're there? Now, they know that they've messed up. Oh Well, they know that they didn't what are you going to do? You going to wave at him with your middle finger? Come on. <laughs> or, or is your Christianity enough to motivate you to go by and catch him eyeball to eyeball and say, God bless you, man. Have a great day. That problem is easily solved if you will just park on the farthest place in the lot. You'll never have competition and you'll get more exercise. Listen, some of you, you'll drive around for 15 minutes looking for the parking spot by the door and you're getting your blood pressure's going up the whole time and then you're in a hurry to go to Walmart so you can go to the gym. I'm just saying, park by the street. Isn't it amazing when Walmart gets more, more applause and acknowledgement than a Bible verse? But anyway... Jesus was slow to judge, quick to show mercy, to help people get on the right track. Isn't that great? uh, Matthew 7, verse 1, the Message Bible. Now, this is unique. You just know the verse says, Judge not lest you. The Message Bible translates it this way. Don't pick on people. (laughs) Don't jump on their failures or criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Because as you judge people, God will judge you. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Let me give you a second one now. The second illustration from the life of Christ about how this golden rule works into everyday life or where we apply it, the way we treat people. The first one had to do with judging and mercy and, and, and restoring, getting people on track. This one has to do, John chapter 10, when Jesus told us to help people who are in trouble. Helping people who are in trouble. What's the second great commandment? Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm gonna go over a parable that's typically called the parable of the Good Samaritan you've heard it all your life don't click me off turn me on just a moment Jesus did not just tell people to help people he lived his life doing this now let me what, what we're talking about Jesus you think of his life what he did Jesus would constantly helping folks remember the guy called the Gattering maniac he was literally a demon afflicted person Do you, anybody know any people a demon afflicted this person was out there, buddy. They were pretty bizarre. I mean, this guy wouldn't even wear clothes. he was so strong, he couldn't be bound by change. Nobody would have anything to do with him. But Jesus got into his life, come on, loved him, healed him, restored him, and he was in his right mind. Jesus would go to lepers is the skin disease where you could literally get leprosy, uh, it, it would exclude you from temple worship be, uh, outside the just physical problems it would bring. Jesus would go to lepers and he'd heal them and he'd restore their life. He would give them love and dignity when nobody else would. Jesus would go to homeless people and he'd feed hungry people. And can I tell you, friends, homeless people, listen, they're, they're just, they're different. Now, I realize there's a professional poor. I realize there's a lot of people that have mental problems that are on the street. But there's a lot of folks that that, that, that life has just treated them pretty rough. If I can just get very real with you. I'm telling you, last night we had somebody come to church, and uh, they smelled bad. My daughter caught me and said, Daddy, what is that? And I'm just telling you. They need some help. They may not even be aware of it. But I'm telling you, I could tell this person had medical problems. I could tell they didn't have any money, and they had just reached the bottom of life. What do you do with somebody like that? I'm telling you, this is not easy, what I'm saying. The golden rule. It is easier to sit on the other side of the room. Kind of hard to go to somebody. If you've ever, listen, you've been in a nursing home? And I don't mean the ones, the high-dollar ones. I I mean, you've been in a nursing home that that it just smells like death and Bowel and it just it just smells it just it's hard I'm telling you it's hard for me to go there, but somehow the golden rule has to take us there. Somehow, somehow, somehow we have to. This is what Jesus would do. Jesus would help people. He was with the tax collector. He was with the prostitute. He was with the sinner. So, with that background, now Jesus tells a story called the Good Samaritan. And mind you, he's telling it to religious people. And the way the story unfolds, Luke chapter ten, verse twenty-five, a a teacher of the law asked Jesus, uh, how do you go to heaven, basically? What do you do for eternal life? And, of course, Christ gave the two great commandments. Love the Lord all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one was not how you go to heaven by good works, but it was a picture of what true Christians do. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the guy of the Bible says he wanted to justify himself so he said, who is my neighbor? How many know that's going to be a gotcha moment with Jesus? Who is my neighbor? And here's the deal. You don't have to go looking for people that are in trouble. They're just going to show up in your world. You don't have to just dedicate a night a month to go to the homeless shelter. They're there, and we feed at the homeless shelter. But they're just going to come in your world, people that are in trouble. You know, it's not just the street person. How many know the wealthiest person in Texarkana may come a day in their life when they're in trouble? They may get divorced. You know, they may, have, they may go bankrupt. People get in trouble. Well, the man asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? In verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. Now, this is a gotcha story because he's trying to convict these Jewish people who are living a hypocritical life. A tra- Jewish man was traveling, and he's attacked by bandits. They beat him up, left him dead beside the road. In verse 31, a priest came along. A religious man came along, a pastor, a preacher. When he saw the man lying there, what did he do? The opposite of what the uh, uh, golden rule would do. He went on the other side of the road. A temple assistant or a Levite, same thing. Look at him lying there, but passed by on the other side. Now, we don't know why he did that. We do know this route from Jericho to Jerusalem was filled with trouble. Bandits hung out there. There's no stoplights. Come on, there's no policeman that you can call. How many know if they beat him up, they could beat me up? And it's a good thing to look out for yourself in today's world. Everybody said. Listen, so you, they could have been protecting themselves. We don't know. It could have been in their religious service, if you were around a dead person, and this person appeared dead, you would become unclean, and you couldn't serve in the temple. So it could be religious motivation. We don't know what it was, but Jesus is going to make a statement as this. People are more important than rules. He's going to say, people are more important than the rules of religion. You know, Maybe, I have heard of people that went to churches and uh, their dress didn't fit so you need to go somewhere else that's why in our church listen I hope people dress in all sorts of I mean wear a tie wear a suit don't wear a tie don't wear a suit uh, you know dress comfortable wear blue jeans but just be modest but sometimes our religious rules of dress can keep people out of church and 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 how many know Listen. if you don't have the money to dress the same way that shouldn't keep you out of church so you get in the middle of this, and a despised Samaritan. Now, Samaritan, this is tackling the prejudice of the day. The Samaritans were north of the Jerusalem area. During the period of the exile, when when the Israelites had to go in captivity, they left some there to tend the property. Uh, they brought in non-Jewish people, and they intermarried, and they became half-breeds. And there was a prejudice. I want you to think of the prejudice that goes on in America today. I wish I could tell you that with an african-american president racism is diminished in america I think it's worse and and it just seems like some people use that to foster an agenda it's real every one of us in this room have probably been involved in some way with prejudice either on the giving end or the receiving in Everybody said it. listen it's a tension between black and white but it's not just black and white and it's not just well whites to blacks its blacks to whites come on we've all got our names that we call each other the Hispanics, the same dynamic, and Orientals, the same dynamic. So you just picture a picture of prejudice and people not fitting, and a despised Samaritan comes along. He saw the man, felt compassion. He went, he went to him. And that's the key to help people. Just go to them. Even if you don't know what to do, you go to them. The Samaritan soothed his wounds, uh, oil and wine, bandaged them. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn, and he took care of him. Now, verse 36 Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, the one, or the man said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now you go and... Now we're talking golden rule. Now we're talking about loving people that are in trouble, people that are hurting, people that need help. Let me tell the story this way and kind of wrap up this morning. You're going to uh, Fort Smith of Highway 71. Pastor Nick, why don't you come come help me out? You're going to Highway 71. And by the way, if you're getting baptized, you can go get ready for that as well. So you're going Highway 71, and you're going to Fort Smith. It's the middle of the night. Stay with me now as people are moving. But it's the middle of the night, and your engine light comes on. Engine light comes on, and before you know it, your car is starting to lose power. And then before you know it, the engine quits. Well, here you are, you're by yourself, and you have enough momentum, you pull off the side of the road, and and thankfully, there's a gravel road where you don't just have to stay on the shoulder, and you get off the gravel road, and your car kind of goes a little bit, the brakes are a little spongy, and you stop your car. You're not quite sure what's going on, but uh, you're out of cell phone range, so you can't call anybody. And lo and behold, you got the hood up, and and, and two good old boys pull up and say, Hey, man, in the truck, you need some help? Well, sure. So you and two good old boys are looking under the hood, and before you know it, one of them had a tire iron behind his back, and he knocked you over the head. You fell on the ground. You felt one of them putting his hand in your pocket, taking your billfold out, laughing for the money he got. Another one's taking your watch off, and he's trying to get your wedding ring off, but your fingers are swollen, and, and, it's, and it's almost like tearing your finger off, but, he, but he, he takes your wedding ring, he rifles your car, and you can't get up. You're bleeding, and it's almost like you're a little disoriented, you're a little paralyzed, you can't do anything. They leave, and they leave you there on the side of that gravel road. Nobody's there. Nobody really knows where you are. You don't have a cell phone anymore. They took that. All night long, you see headlights coming down the road, and something inside you says, I hope they stop. I hope this is my brother. I hope it's my husband. I hope it's a policeman. And you try to yell, but you really can't get it out because you've just been banged up. Now, what do you want at that moment? Somebody to come and help you. You want a good Samaritan. Well, here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to be that Samaritan. Now, I'm not just saying pull over the side of the road when the car goes kaput. Let me know. Listen, that could be a setup. You could get in trouble. But how about this? Let's say you're in an apartment or maybe you're in a close duplex, and, and, and the people in your duplex across the wall, they're married, and they've got kids, and they're screaming at each other in the middle of the night. She's cussing him, and he's cussing back, and you hear something bang against the wall. Now, you know these people just a little bit. You see them when they come in. You're not best friends. And then you hear the children screaming and crying. Could it be they need a good Samaritan? Those children, you know your children's greatest fear? Children's greatest fear is that you'll divorce. Hey, have you ever had a situation when the allergies are kind of up and somebody's snoring, husband and wife, can't sleep? And one of you get out and you go sleep on the couch, and your kids get up and say, Daddy, why are you asleep on the couch? Don't you love mommy? Are you going to get divorced? happened in my house I'm not gonna tell you who was snoring but I'm telling you it's happened in my house it's happening in your duplex they need more than a domestic violence call They, they, they need some help well if that's a little bit much for you how about the single mom you see her around church you see her in the neighborhood you can just tell she needs help Kids, the kids are always just a little messed up, and, and not because she doesn't care. She's so busy, the poor thing's working two jobs, barely can get child care, and, and she needs a good Samaritan. Needs a good Samaritan. How about how about a, a businessman that, that, that's failing? He's just gotten in business, and, and words out, he's not doing too good. He may even be one of your competitors. What are we going to try to do? We're going to try to kill him and get him out of business, or or maybe go loan him a truck because he has got repossessed. Now, now I'm not telling you how, listen I understand business is cutthroat, but I'm just saying somewhere good Samaritans have to show up. See, see, how, how, about, how about the elderly man that lives on your street? You noticed his car is gone, wife is dead. His car is gone because they won't let. It, took his driver's license away. His kids came by. He demanded to live at home, but, but they took his car because they were scared he was going to have an accident. And uh, uh, he's just there. And, 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 and they can't get down as often as they could. And he just needs to go to the grocery store or he needs to go to the doctor. He needs a good scenario. And can I tell you, that is the golden rule in September of 2011. And here's the thing about it listen, take in school. You kids that are in school, everybody knows the kid that gets picked on. I don't care if that kid is because they're poor or because they're, they're not as sharp as everybody else. Kids are just ruthless. Rather than being the kid that picks on them, how would I want somebody to treat me if I were in their shoes? I think I'd want somebody to come along and say, listen, I'll be your friend. I'll sit by you in the lunchroom. And the people that laugh at you are nothing but acquaintances. They're not your real friends anyway. Come on, let me tell you that. So this is Christ in action. This is what it means to be a Christian. Jesus even applauded this behavior so much. Listen to this now. In Matthew 25, and I don't have time to read it, but there's a picture of heaven one day. It's a classic to go and read. And Jesus has taken every person that's ever lived on planet earth and he separated them in two groups. Two groups of people. One that's going to spend eternity in a real place called hell and one that's going to heaven. And they ask the question, why are we over here in this right group? Why are we going to go to heaven? Jesus made some startling statements. Jesus said, when I was hungry, when I was naked, when I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of these, you did it to me when I was an elderly man and needed a good Samaritan, when my car was broken down, when I was the rejected kid at school. He went along and decided to help me and somehow Christ's affinity for people is so great. And he said, whatever you did to the to of these, you to too. It's the golden rule. And it's what it means to be a Christian. Isn't that what we read as we started this series? In Antioch, they were first called followers of Christ, belonging to Him, And listen, identical to Him. People that would behave as Christ would behave. Come on, that's what Jesus is looking for in our life. Give Him a big hand this morning. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. What has God been saying to you in this message? Would you bow your head just a minute? This is a personal time for you to put it into practice. The Bible tells us not just to be people that hear the Word, but to be people who do it. So I wonder if God is talking to you about how you're treating people. I wonder what's come to your mind today. Is it a family member that you've not treated right? A spouse? Is it people that work for you or people that are your peers at work? Is it a neighbor? Whoever it may be, Jesus wants us to treat them the way that He treats us. The way we'd want to be treated. So can you just in your own way right now say, Lord, that's what I want to do? Wherever God has his finger in your life, say yes to the Lord. That's what I want to do. That's the way I want to behave. That's the way I want to act to people. Whether they're a four-year-old that says I'm not your friend. Or whether there's someone that's desperately needing our help. Help us to act like that. Thank God. And Lord, I just want to just slip my hands to heaven and say I want to be like you. You may want to join me in that commitment today. Just say, Lord, I want to be identical to you. I want to treat people, Lord, the way that you would. I want to help people the way that you would help them. I just want to give you my life afresh today. Come on, reach up to heaven and say, Lord, help me live that life. I don't want to just be a Sunday Christian. I want this to be real in my life seven days a week. Lord, I want you to help me be the person you want me to be. I'm tired of playing church and religion. I want Jesus to be first in everything. This is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Let me ask one more appeal, one more prayer before we do our baptism. And it's simply this I want to ask you about your relationship with God just a minute. And I want you to imagine with me, we're driving a car and we've just stopped at the two way stop. It's time to go left or right. I want to ask you are you in right relationship with God? As I shared that picture with you today, what heaven's going to be like one day, when the people are all going to be judged, the sheep on the right, the goats on the left, and, and those that had done, treated people with love and compassion, are, are you going to be on the other side? See, it, you don't get to heaven by treating people right. You get to heaven through your faith in Christ. Because the problem is, that cross reminds us that only one sin has separated me from God. Only one sin makes me a sinner. And God's not going to look at me and see if I'm 70% good or 80% or 90% or 99%. One sin keeps you out of God's presence. And there's where the problem. Nobody can be good enough to go to heaven. And that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth to give his life. To be a bridge to get back to God. But you know what? We've got to make a step to God. We've got to ask for God's forgiveness. Listen, we've got to commit our life to him. And it's not just coming to church and trying to be good. It is literally giving my life to Christ. And it's receiving his forgiveness. Maybe when you heard the story today about the woman caught in adultery and and you've been there, whatever the sin was, and you felt guilt and shame, and you desperately want the forgiveness from God, and you want a fresh start and a fresh step, I'm telling you, God can give it to you. In just a second, we'd like to just simply be someone that tells you how. We'd like to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you say you're going to want to get right with God, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as a way so I'll know who you are. People will clap for you. We will pray for you. And we will not embarrass you. But we will give you something that will help you in your Christian life. Because I'm telling you, nothing, friend, is more important than that. Because one day you will stand before God. And when I stand before God, I'm glad I'm not standing alone. Come on. But Jesus Christ is right there with me. His blood has washed my sins away. And Christ has given me a new start in life. Now listen, you don't go to ch- heaven because you go to church. I was raised in church, but guess what? It was in my head. But when I was 19 years of age on August 15, 1976, it was a defining moment in my life. Well, for the first time in my life, I got serious with God. I asked for his forgiveness, but listen, I committed my life to follow him. And maybe that's what you need today. Maybe it's the first time you'll do it or you've gotten away from God and today is the day to come back. But if that's you this morning and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to receive his forgiveness and get on the right track, I want to pray for you. Lift your hand real high and do it quickly. This morning, pray for me. I want to get right with God today. God bless you, dear. Give her a big hand. God bless you, too. Give her a big hand. Somebody else, I want to get right with God today. You're not joining the church this morning. You're just simply giving your life to Christ. Somebody else today, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. God bless you too, pal. Give him a big hand. Somebody else, pray for me this morning. I want to get right with God. I'm not where I need to be. And I want to get on the right track with Christ before it's too late. Anybody else this morning? All right, praise the Lord. You that lifted your hands, we want to ask you if you'll just come and come meet at the cross right over here. We'd like to pray for you and talk to you. Come on up. Give him give one more hand. Bring your friend if you want to. You that lifted your hand, come on up. Let us pray for you this morning. Come on up, pal. Let us pray for you. Bring your friend with you. God bless you, girl. Somebody will meet you right here and talk to you. want to give you something to help you get on the right track. Because God cares about you very, very much. Praise the Lord. God bless you, pal. Somebody go right over here with you. We're going to do a little baptism. That's right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well stand them. Give the Lord a hand clap. If you want to stick around for another song, we're going to worship another one. If you need any prayer at the altar, come around. Otherwise, God bless you. Bring people next Sunday. Amen.